It is the sentence of this court that for the brutal and despicable crime of murder in the first degree, you shall hang by the neck until dead. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do this again. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And uh, you know, um, hope you enjoyed our conversation about the library. Um, and uh, just again, um, read books, but maybe don't don't read books about people. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. But you know, if they're books that are constantly being updated and you can affect people's lives, maybe don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not change books. Like just don't. Don't alter books. Leave books alone. They're, they're, they're meant to be read, not yeah. altered. I, it's funny you say that because I saw a story was a couple weeks ago where the people that are, um, they're the ones in charge of the James Bond like uh, like franchise, like in terms of like the books and everything. I don't think it's the Broccoli family. They're the like ones the that, estate or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the estate. Um, they're, they're now saying that a few of um, the earlier works, they're going to update in terms of like, because, you know, there's some questionable like, uh, in the phrasing and some of it. Language so, of yeah. Sorts. So they're going to, they're going to update it, but they're trying to keep, you know, Ian Fleming's intent, but like gets, get rid of some of the rough edges. I think that's okay. Right. Cause it's like, you know, if you have the ability to be like, yeah, maybe, maybe you should refer to as a group of people as this, you know, cool. That's fine. Like change that. I'm good with that. Right. But, but yeah, in terms of like just completely editing people's like books, if it's the books of them, don't do that. Yeah, I, I, I can't really speak towards uh, how books should be presented because there's plenty of books that I have read, and I'm sure you have read that like a, a certain language is being used in it, and it's like, but it only is all like to project the times and well, place. There's 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 an intent, but there's also yeah. something that might like okay. So, uh, Bram Stoker wrote Lair of the White Worm, which was like his second, like his like other book other than Dracula. It is racist AF, right. <laughs> you know, like, and it's like, it's not trying to make a point. It's just racist. You know, like, like Lovecraft is a racist, <laughs> you know, like, so I think, I think there's some, um, amount of discussion that can be had, but in terms of just changing things, just to change things, I don't agree with that, but you know, that's a, that's a conversation for a different day. Sorry. I'm going off track. I apologize. Um, different podcasts coming soon. Yeah. Different to, uh, podcasts, politically, <laughs> politically correct with Terry and Paul. And we, we have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, uh, welcome to strange highways. So this is a podcast in which we, uh, you talk about racist things. I don't mean that, but, but when we get to day of date here, 
we'll get to, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but we've been talking about the Twilight Zone. Uh, we talked about the original series, and we're going to be talking about it again this evening. Uh, we talked about the Paramount Plus um, uh, produced series that is not on Paramount Plus anymore. And now we are in the last four segments of season one of the 80s revival. It has been three years in the making, but we're in the final four. How's it's that feel? The final countdown. Yeah. Four more to go. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, here we go, man. We got four more segments. Uh, and then then we'll be able to wrap up and do a year a year in review for all 150 stories we've talked about. We're not going to do that, but we'll we'll do a wrap up, but not for all of them. Uh, so, all right, this is season one, uh, episode 23, segment A, Shadow Play. Air date is April 4th, 1986. Number one film. And this is a film I'm sure it's aged well without any problems in terms of dialogue and content. Police Academy 3 back in training. Um, I'm sure it is. It, you watch it now, you're like, you know what? That does, you know what? That does represent how we feel about police training and the way they should treat people. This movie is very popular. Like for a third installment for a franchise, like. It's been going like what? What is this? The third week that we've uh, talked yeah. about it being still in the top, like the, well, the top position. The, the, like, this was like I find was, that surprising. Yeah. And this was a this was a series that had some legs, right? In terms, because I'm sure it was cheaply cheap to produce, uh, and it was you know. And I remember having fun with these as a kid. And I'm sure if I revisit them, there will still be me remembering me as a kid watching them. So I'm sure I'll still crack up at like some of the very questionable humor. I'm sure none of it's aged well. But I'm sure I would probably, you know, if you leave me to my druthers, I'd probably still have a good time with these films. But also understand that, like, don't do that. You know, I'm just glad that Mahoney is still just being a a problem maker. You know, like, (laughs) you know, know, known troublemaker Steve Gutenberg uh, at large. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think was is Bobcat Goldflake already in the series at this point? Maybe. But uh, yeah, because I think it's actually this film that he makes his appearance because okay. he's a gang member. Yeah, because then, then in, he becomes then in part four, of the academy. Right, because as a part four was a citizens on patrol, isn't he when he becomes a cop there? I don't know. Anyway, so uh we could you know uh, we could David get into Spade the, is in that one, I believe. So. Who, who's in that? David Spade, I think, is in the fir- uh, fourth Maybe. installment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, we yeah, can yeah. Get it. You know, different podcasts. We'll <laughs> we'll start that one up. Yeah, we'll too. do we'll do we'll do a seven part series on Police Academy, right? Like because <laughs> I think that's all there were, if, right? If the fans if, if the fans want it. <laughs> we'll do a like brief aside unrelated to this. We'll do a Police Academy uh podcast. All right. Uh Pod Academy. All right. So number one song, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. It's a fun song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a little long, but but yeah. Um they uh there's a a German band uh Oop that I listen to and they've done a cover of this. It's actually pretty fun. Wait, what's the band's name? Oop. How do you how do you spell that? I think it's O O P H exclamation point. <laughs> okay, well there you go. That's the- Yeah, it's another one of those like uh capitalizing on yeah. the, the times of the German uh industrial movement here that uh yeah, they became pretty popular. KMFDM, yeah. uh, Rammstein, and oof. <laughs> and then I, I also like I like Kerplunk. That, that's a, that's a Green Day album, but like uh, Sploot or you know Blonk. Anyway, so all right. Um, How? <laughs> uh, Sprockets. All right. So all right. Uh, so for day and date, uh, April fifth. So the day after this came out, 
Um, so three people were killed and 229 were injured at the Labella Discotheque uh, was bombed in the Frednau District of West Berlin. Uh, the entertainment venue was commonly frequented by the United States soldiers, and two of the dead of the 79 were Americans. All right. That's bad. Like, bombing's bad. Uh, Libya was accused by U.S. government of sponsoring the bombing, and the U- and U.S. President Ronald Reagan ordered retaliatory strikes on Tripoli and Benghazi in Libya 10 days later. The operations were widely seen as an attempt to kill uh, Muammar Gaddafi. However, in the bombing's aftermath, this claim was met with widespread skepticism. This is why I bring this up. In 87, um, the head of the West German team investigating the bombing said that there was no evidence pointing the finger at Libya, a belief which was corroborated by numerous intelligence agencies in Europe at the time, according to a BBC report in 2001 following a four-year German trial called murky and marred by what the court called limited willingness by the American and German governments to share evidence. A court found that the bombing um, had been planned by the Libyan intelligence service and the Libyan embassy, but absolved Gaddafi of responsibility. The reason I bring this up because never, ever, ever has the U S government decided to go attack a nation and a leader uh, by saying, Hey, you did this. And then we find out that maybe they didn't do that. That's never happened before. What? What are you <laughs> talking about? Smoking mirrors? Yeah. Like, an, um, you know, it's like clo- cloak and dagger. Nine eleven. Like, like, you know, like we, like, you know, did we, I don't know. Did we point, did we, did we go, did we look at maybe not the people involved? I don't know. Um, yeah. Look at me with my hot takes politically tonight. I so, apologize. So wait a minute. Do you have some hot takes on uh, Korea and uh, Vietnam? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Listen to our next podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like our 15th podcast where it's like yeah. we have nothing better to do than go down rabbit holes and create other podcasts about like stuff like this. But I like that we're going to do the police academy one first. Like guys, guys, we got to get to the, the we got to get to the burning topic I, I feel of the it's day. a lot more topical, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's just um it's just <laughs> It's like what, like um, what, what's what's the way to do it? It's like what's what's the phrasing? Like, um, like you're you're looking at something that doesn't apply, but you're like, yeah, you know what? We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it work. It's like um, it's like my dad. His his favorite tool to try to fix any car was a hammer, and that's not gonna do the job. But goddamn, if he's not gonna use the hammer, right? What's to the try- thing about dads and hammers? Okay, I don't know, like- right? But I feel like Reagan's <laughs> like, like oh, wife- yeah, it's Gaddafi that did my- this. It's like, did he do it? Good enough. Let's just do it. You know, it's like, calm down. I don't know. Whatever. My wife's first car, my, my father-in-law made sure that she had a rubber mallet in her car just to uh, fix her, uh, her air conditioning. So yeah, that was, <laughs> it's like, it's like, so like the tool of, uh, of, uh, helpers, you know, like, I don't know, man, mallet. have you ever had like that moment of like, if I just hit something hard enough, I mean, object, not people, they're going to work better. <laughs> have you ever had that? Well, like I've had that. I, I, I mean, I punched my TV multiple times when the Indians were in the playoffs and it didn't help. So. Well, I, what, what my very first car, um, uh, it was an 88 Corolla and it, the, um, the dash was already cracked. So it didn't matter, but like the radio would fuzz out sometimes. And if you just smack the dash hard enough, the radio would come back in. So I, you know, I do believe in the power of, um, you know, like the, I believe in the power of the fonds of hitting something and it works again. You know, yeah, I mean, I've seen big, I, I can make the Zoltar machine work, you know, with a good couple slaps, even if it is not plugged in. Yeah. You know, there we go. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah as far as, um, uh, day and date stuff for, uh, for what I found, and this is kind of a lighter note, <laughs> good, good, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So on this date, uh, in 86, it was uh, Wayne Gretzky. 
sets the NHL record with 213 points of a season. So, like, I mean, I know you're a, a hockey fan. I know pr- probably some of our uh, listeners are hockey fans. Dude, I this dude is an absolute legend. Oh and no, Gretzky's I, I, amazing, and and yeah. Uh, so points, so you know, like so points stands for goals and also assists. So mm-hmm. meaning, like an assist can go to two people, right? Two, two, sorry, three people, right? So like if it's like two passers and then somebody shoots a goal, that's an assist. So he was responsible for so much production, right? Like that is insane, right? I mean, like, there's only a few names that I know as far as hockey, and it is this gentleman and then, like, Mario Lemieux and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's like I really do not know very many names. So, uh, But, yeah, so, like, that that was achieved on this date. So, yeah, to bring it up a little bit. <laughs> no, Gretzky, like, there's, like, there is talk now of a handful of people, like, getting closer to some of his, like, you know, achievements, and it's, like, that, that I mean, and rightfully so. Like, I think was Ovechkin who plays for the Capitals still. Like he's been around long enough that he's going to be chasing some of Gretzky's uh, records, right? Um, but it's like also Gretzky came up in a time where hockey was a lot more physical, and there weren't as many like like you know like meaning you could get your bell well. rung pretty easily. Like, and there was a lot more roughing, and like they would not. Like now it's a little bit more conscious of like, Hey, when one, you're doing bodily injury and two, like let the finesse players play. Not that I'm saying that the, the sport's weaker, but you know, well, that's like the same argument that we have now where certain players flop in NBA when like somebody like, I, I don't know, uh, Larry bird, magic Johnson and, uh, Michael Jordan were mm-hmm. taking straight up hits and they did, they just, went to the basket still. Yeah. They didn't care. I mean, and you think about like, you know, I know uh, Jim Brown's problematic. He just passed away. But in terms of like, you know, what was acceptable in terms of like taking runners down and blocking. Right. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not saying he should be celebrated. I'm just saying like, you know, cause dude definitely hung a woman outside of a balcony, like by holding her by the neck, whatever. Anyway. So my point is, is like, there's, there was a time and place for, some of these records, the way that they were created, it's like you don't have those situations anymore in terms of adversity. That just shows you how much more amazing it is in hindsight that they did the things they did. Exactly. Yeah. I, and so, like, uh, I applaud Wayne Gretzky. Uh, you know, I still applaud him because, you know, he, he did set the records for most yeah, of these and things. You never so. really, I've never really heard, like, a bad story about him. Like, you don't ever hear about him, like, him, like, up in Canada, like, beating kids with, like, a hockey stick or anything. Like, you never hear any of that, you know? Yeah, like, he, he not taking his uh, hockey stick and chopping lines somewhere. <laughs> yes, like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, just him, just him, just bump, bumping rails and scoring goals, you know, whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, like, I just, when he went to LA with the Kings, maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But, Perhaps. I mean, yeah, you got to pick like, it up a little bit. It's like, guys, everybody look at that. Like, you got to, got to shave that ice. And I'm not talking about on the <laughs> rink, in the rink, you know, anyway. So, um, all right. So there we go. Anyway, that, that, that's our day and date. So, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Welcome oh, yeah. to the show, everybody. So what, was, what was the music? Yeah. Oh, did you say the music? I'm yeah, sorry. I did. It was uh, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Derp, derp. Yeah. So, right. so, so, yeah so, so Gretzky you know, got his points total, was listening to Rock Me Amadeus, and then bumped some rails is what happened that day. We can just tell. Like, the snow was pouring, and then uh, Reagan was like, I got to go after Gaddafi because he's dressed like Michael Jackson. And I'm mad at him, you know. And so. he coasted while, like, just, like, sitting there watching Police Academy 3. <laughs> 
Or it's, probably just two, honestly. Because I mean, I'm sure Reagan enjoyed the Police Academy movies because he's like, oh, cops are silly. You know, anyway, like, (laughs) (laughs) while while ignoring, while ignoring, like, you know, uh, you know, the AIDS epidemic is probably, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to let them die, but I got to watch police Academy three, you know? So yeah. Uh, But yeah. Anyways, um, (laughs) <laughs> I'm 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 surly tonight. I apologize to everybody. Oh, uh, no, r- you, r- you have every right because we're talking about the '80s. You have every right to be surly about the '80s and Reaganomics and oh, everything. So yeah. <laughs> it's like the blatant uh, uh, not funniness. It, it's of the it's 80s, almost like, really. it's almost <laughs> the further we go along past that decade, the more we realize how much it screwed up everything. I don't know. It's weird how that worked out. So yeah, um, uh, yeah, but. Yeah. There it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's done. It's done. Yeah. But yeah. So we go to sh- we go to our episode. That we're- <laughs> <laughs> so we have the remake of Shadowplay here. So the this version of uh, of the episode is directed by Paul Lynch. We've talked about him previously uh, during uh, Need to Know. I mean, we literally just talked about that, yeah. what, two segments ago? That was his but best is- outing so far, but he's also did uh, Wong's Lost to Found Emporium, A Message from Charity, and Examination Day so far. So this is his fifth of nine segments that he's directed. He'll be directing for the series. Right. So we'll talk about him soon enough again. Yeah. But uh, then uh, to our writer we go here. So the, to- the story is credited to none other than the legendary... Charles Beaumont. Mm-hmm. So, so he had he had done the original story. So obviously we will mention that in this discussion. But he had also had done um, Dead Woman's Shoes for this uh, iteration of the Twilight Zone, which was adapted from Dead Man's Shoes. So that's two Charles Beaumont uh, adaptations within this season alone. And so, and otherwise, uh, twenty-two episodes of the original. Twilight Zone. Are you talking about Charles Beaumont? Yeah, Beaumont is correct. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's no, he's one of the Mount Rushmore of the series, right? Like him, I will always argue with him. Like him and Richard Matheson are like their two sides. Where Beaumont's more fantastical and nightmarish, and Matheson's more like grounded and practical. And they, they and both sides feed the Twilight Zone equally. And Beaumont's yeah, and amazing. He- and I, I just, it is, it's such a tragedy that we lost him at such a young age. Yeah. I, I keep on forgetting that he was so young when we lost him. So he was only 38 when he passed. Yeah. I mean, just imagine what he could have done if he would have just been like, you know, had another 30 years. Yeah. And like, we talked about that during uh season four of the original series and season five, because his, his accredited writing wasn't really him. We talked about that, where it was more him knowing that he had his name so he could get things through. So he would kind of talk things through on the phone with people and kind of like sign off on stuff. Uh, but Shadowplay as a script, from from what I understand as a teleplay, which was a season two episode from the original series, uh, was all him. And it was right. him firing all cylinders. And he was a very creative and interesting mind. And then like we still really don't know what took him out, but... It was like he, for like, for all intents and purposes, it was like an early onset, like not Alzheimer's, but it was something like like akin to that, where it's just his brain just failed him, 
And he, and it sucks because we get the idea that he kind of knew it was falling apart. That's why he kept reaching out to people to be like, yeah, 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 we can do this. And then people will talk about like how drunk he was during the day. And it's like, you understand that like in hindsight, he was doing this to like cover up the fact that like he was falling apart and it was easier to explain him being drunk versus his brain failing him, you know, like, and it's, it's a tragedy. Um, and we talked about that during, um, was it the, uh, the new exhibit in the season four, I think. Um, right. And then what was it? A passage on like, was it the lady Anne or whatever the, what that was, there was a lot of those in season four that really weren't his. And I think we got it like one or two in season five that really weren't his either of the original series. They just, Tragic. Yeah, living doll and a number 12 looks just like you. Yeah. Which I and think some of those were maybe like, I think, I think number 12 looks like, like, I think that was based upon one of his earlier stories. So maybe, maybe there was legs there too. I can't remember. I know that was one of our favorite episodes of that season. Oh um, yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's like, um, I mean, even if you go back to like long distance call and yeah. the howling man, there are some really fascinating stories that he, he presented mm-hmm. where it's, uh, you know, Rod Serling and that, and then like really he made him, a fixture of yeah. the twilight zone and what really, I, I think really built up everything that we know is what the twilight zone is now. Yeah. Because, we, like, I mean, we wouldn't have such incredible yeah. stories. We like, like clearly Serling is like the bulk of the series, right? But we wouldn't have the twilight zone as we know it without Beaumont Matheson, George Clayton Johnson and Earl Hamler jr. But you know, we, we wouldn't have, like those are the, the the big ones that like contributed the most. There's also the directors too of like uh, the various episodes, uh, because I oh I like I need to go back and look. Uh, the director I think it was uh, John Brom that directed the the, the original episode Shadowplay, and he actually did um, a lot of great work for the series and his decisions. Because you you could speak to this because I did not get a chance to go back and rewatch the original episode. You are correct about um, John John Brom. John Brom because so. he directed like seven or eight of the original series, maybe more. Uh, but uh, his decisions, you can tell that with the director here, um, he which again, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Paul Lynch aped um, like rightfully so some of the shots, like work like shot for shot because it works right. So. Um, and we can talk about that more later, but like, right. you want to talk about something that's like, it was already like, it was almost perfect right out of the, sh- like, you know, right out the first time you don't really need to like change it too much, but there's some changes here a little bit, but, um, but yeah, like if you're basing something off of a Beaumont script, you're, you have a really great foundation to work with. And I know I've talked too much about it, but yeah, we, we'll talk more about it later, but um, and, and spoilers, everybody, in terms of my season two wrap up that I did years and years ago, the original series, this was in my top five. I did not expect I had, this is not, this is not a story that people talk about in terms of the twilight zone. And I was excited to get to the update. Um, but it was one of my favorites of season two. And I, it's crazy to me because people always talk about like the same six episodes of the twilight zone. Why don't they talk about shadow play? That is a good question because I feel like it's such a strong story and especially in the way that it's presented. uh, It's ahead of its time. And even in the eighties, it's ahead of its time. We'll, we'll get there. We'll we'll get there. Ahead of its time in its own right. And like how, like, all right. Well, well, yeah, we'll get to it. So like, we'll, we'll do the side by side comparison. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm going on too much. I think we kind of have to do that as far as like what we're, we, we have here and what we're viewing because this is kind of a two-part discussion, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we'll get back to our writing credits here, because the telepay, a teleplay is uh, credited to uh, James Crocker, 
so this is the last of five that he uh, he did for the the Twilight Zone. So he had also done uh, a little piece in Quiet Chameleon, and um, the Leprechaun artist. So I think we get one more from him. I think I, get, I think we get one oh. more from Crocker. But um, we okay. both yeah. really really liked a little piece in Quiet, which was the second segment that we watched for the series three years ago. Um, <laughs> but and we also liked the Leprechaun artist. But yeah, anyway, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but then uh, so yeah. we do get uh, to talk about this gentleman in the future as well because he had uh, done some of the storylines for uh, the 2000s series. So we'll talk about him in the near new, like maybe <laughs> 2000 years. Yeah, later. if we <laughs> if we could track that down because it's expensive for whatever reason, we'll we'll get the Forrest Whitaker Twilight Zone. Like that's going to be <laughs> yeah, yeah, eventually that, that will be. We'll get some corn. We'll get some <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> I, I feel so bad for everybody listening. It's like, hey, everybody, let's start out at the peak, and then we're just going to run through the shit all the street. <laughs> let's just keep going. Let's get like we're. It's going to be. It's going to be a tractor pull of ridiculousness. And honestly, if you have been listening thus far, I, I know there probably have been people that have like, yeah, this is not my cup of tea. Yeah. Well. Well, good luck. We have. We're but gonna once we get through this. Here, yeah. Yeah. Once we get we through these the seasons. Tea. Yeah. <laughs> we got all the tea you want. Yeah, once um, we get through this, we're going to get to that one, too. We're going to get to definitely the episode where Catherine Heigl uh, went back in time to try to kill baby Hitler. We'll talk about that episode when we get there. <laughs> uh, but um, So we'll get into our cast here. And it's a yes. little lengthy of a cast. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to make this as brief as possible because it's going to be, I, again, kind of a lengthier discussion. But, yeah, so Peter uh, Coyote. Coyote. Peter Coyote. Yeah, Coyote. Uh, he plays Adam Grant in this. Uh, so he was in E.T. He was also in Patch Adams. And in eight episodes of Law and Order L.A., I didn't know there was an L.A. version. So there's that. Um, so Peter Coyote, well, one, we share a birthday, so we have the same birthday. So there we go. Got to do that. Uh, so he, um, his, his, it's not his actual name, but he, his, like, he eventually adopts it. Uh, so he ingested peyote and had a profound experience with something he recognized as an animal spirit. At the next dawn, he came to it a cornfield dotted with paw prints. I don't know what happened. I'm not going to ask questions. A few years later, he came across, um, was a coyote's journal, a poetry magazine, and recognized its logo as the same paw prints he had seen during his peyote experience. Um, after meeting with Rolling Thunder, uh, a purported uh, Poyati Shoshone shaman, who informed him that there were two ways to regard what he experienced. It's like, you could consider a hallucination or you'll just remain a white man and be okay. <laughs> or you could consider that the universe opened itself up to you. And if you consider it deeply enough, you might become a human being. So Peter considered what he had uh, been saying, you know, for several months and then changed his name to coyote. Uh, as the first steps towards understanding its significance. Fair enough, right? The, the immediate unanticipated consequence was that no one, not even Peter, knew who Peter Coyote was, and he was liberated from his personal history. So uh, so I like that he's like, I've chosen this. Nobody knows me. I get Basically, he's like, I get to write my own destiny, right? So from that point on, he never knew where the rabbit would break from the bush. So I thought that was a kind of a cool quote. So he played, he played keys in E.T., meaning if you go back and watch E.T., uh, with the exception of the mother, any other, like for the most part, all the adults, you don't really see their faces because everything's shot from like lower perspective, um, like as a kid's level uh, perspective. So when he plays the character of keys, meaning you never see his face, but he has a key ring. That's why he's referred to that. So like you always see him as kind of like a character, but never see his face. 
Uh, See, so yeah, go ahead. I, I'm just, I, I feel like I need to make my break into Hollywood because I could do that. I yeah. Mean, I mean, people don't even see my face. I have a, I have a face for podcasting. You can right? see my big ass on screen. And, right. You know, you could I mean, probably get, my be, wife would know it was to, me. to be fair. Everybody know Terry brings that cake. So you need to see <laughs> what's going on. Got to get a slice of that. I mean, you know, like, I mean, I'm a married man, but if I wasn't, I would go to the, I would go to the dessert buffet of uh, the Terry cake. Anyway. So, um, uh, Peter Coyote, he was actually in consideration for the role of Indiana Jones. Uh, so he auditioned for the part. He was actually pretty close to being picked. Uh, but then, you know, obviously we know what happened there. Uh, but his yeah, his <laughs> first starring role was in the science fiction adventure film, which I still need to see because I love the title. Time Rider, The Adventures of Lyle Swan. I just, I love that title. He was also in Jagged Edge. Uh, in 2005, he served as the narrator for several prominent projects, including a lot of documentary films, uh, like a lot of like, you know, just, he has, he has a good voice, right? So we know, we know Peter Coyote, like, but yeah, you know, just, he looks like Eric Roberts in this <laughs> to me a lot, but you know, um, I thought, yeah. I, I thought I recognized him for so many different other roles. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought maybe he was in uh poltergeist. I thought maybe he was in a couple of other things, but like. Yeah, it wouldn't have been out. Of, it wouldn't have, considering what we know about him, it, he would not have been out of place in Poltergeist, right? Considering you just mentioned he was an ET, like in that same type yeah. of setting. But yeah, he's a very recognizable character actor. Uh, but yeah, um, so I still want to watch Time Rider: The Adventures of Lyle Swan, where I guess a guy rides a motorcycle back to like the West. I need to see this film anyway. So um, yeah, but we know him. Very recognizable character actor has a very particular um, like look at life where you know he hallucinated and changes his name to Coyote. Fair enough. Uh, Homer yeah. Simpson once ate a Peruvian devil pepper and saw Johnny Cash as a wolf. So you know, as you do, right? So, <laughs> let's, let's yeah, the, but, <laughs> and now we move on. Yes, to, uh, <laughs> we have Janet Elber here. Uh, she plays Aaron Jacobs. She was in the craft, uh, so I, I knew I recognized her from something. But she was also in the remake of Mighty Joe Young, which uh, the original is one of my personal favorites from uh, a particular age of like the golden screen. I mean, you know, like stop motion, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, like that uh, Harryhausen era of yeah, stop he, motion. He, that was yeah. actually his first film. Okay. Oh, I thought what, wasn't I thought it was Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Was that not his first? No, it, uh, Mighty Joe Young was credited okay. as far as I could remember. He, I he trust you because film. you're you're more of a Harryhausen like knowledge oh, person no. than I am. Yeah. Well, this was oh, again. Well, anyway. anyway, it was a film that he worked on. I no. now I'm just like questioning myself, as I do always when somebody questions me. <laughs> I question reality. Um, but yeah, so I'm not, Wait, I'm not sure I thought Clash of the Titans was the first Harry Housen film. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I know it's not. I don't know. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not Sinbad. <laughs> it's not Sinbad. It's not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I also have here. She was in an uh, original uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents uh, uh, episode. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So then uh, we move on to uh, Dorian May. Deborah, I, I have a Deborah. De Deborah, maybe? well, I maybe. see you know Deborah, yeah, Deborah, yeah, because you know, again, I know I don't know how to read names. Well, um, don't worry. I'm in my notes, my, instead of writing Charles Beaumont, I wrote uh, Charles Bramont. I don't know who that is, but anyway, so continue. Bramont, Bramont, like you know, so yeah, but uh, she plays uh, 
uh, Carol and Richie or Carol Richie. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she was in shows like Days of Her Lives. Uh, she was in ER. She was also in episodes of The Walking Dead. So not too not too shabby. Well, she's career, also obviously. in the puffy shirt episode of Seinfeld. So that's a famous one. Uh, Cobra Kai. She's in as well. Uh, so still working. Yeah. So cool. And then uh, uh, I, I want to pronounce this as something that I eat. So ramen. But no, it's, it's Ramon. Like, it's, it's Ramon. <laughs> Ramon Bieri, I think, is how you pronounce the name. It's ramen noodles. Ramen. Ramen Berry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> your name is Ramen. Yeah. Right? Uh, thanks for your noodles. Yes. Uh, so you play <laughs> Flask. Yeah. Is it Flash or Flask? It's Flash. Because, yeah. Yeah. See, like when I was watching the episode again recently, it I heard Flask. I kept on hearing flask. I'm yeah, like, it, so did somebody take the wrong notes when they put this on IMDb? Because it sounds like they're saying flask. I think it's flash. But, um, I have, because he doesn't look like he's a flash. Okay? No, no, like, but yeah, he's a kind yeah. of a heavier set dude. <laughs> no, a flash <laughs> means like brief, right? That's like me. Like, you know, like I'm super fast, like 0.5 seconds at a time. And then I need to sit down for like 30 minutes, you know, like don't. Yeah. It's like when they say tiny, but you go, you're, you're, you're bigger than that. Yeah. So I have him from the film Badlands, uh, the Andromeda strain and Sorcerer, which is a film I need to get to. Um, that is, um, oh, uh, what's his name? You know, uh, freaking, it's a freaking film that I need to get to. I've heard nothing but like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, which we talked about him during Nightcrawlers, um, way back like earlier in the season. The Sorcerer is a film I've I, it's been on my list forever. I need to get to. Yeah, I I do want to get to that. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it because I'm starting to look up certain other notes here. Yeah. But uh, uh, Kolchak, uh, Ghost of Mississippi. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't have I didn't have that, but he was also part of the Kolchak TV series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check out Coast Mississippi. Like that is oh my god that. You want to see something that bothers you to the core. Uh, mm. yeah, that is a great film. It's been a long time since I've seen it because. Well, I, I mean, I, 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 I think know. I think racism has been solved. So why would I want to watch that? I, you know, I think I think we're past <laughs> that now. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, we, uh, we're, our next uh, credited actor here is a uh, William Shadler. I think that's how it's pronounced. Shadler. Yeah, uh, he was Shallot. Father Grant. Yeah. Shallert? Shallert? Yeah. S C H A L L E R. Shallert? I think, anyway. But yes. Recognizable guy. I know. Yeah. 388 credits, as far as IMDb has put us into perspective of, like, wow. Like, that is incredible. But we would know this gentleman for a lot of things connected to the Twilight Zone. So he was in some episodes of Playhouse 90. He was in the OG. Twilight Zone episode of Mr. Beavis. One of the worst and, goddamn episodes that's ever been aired in the series. <laughs> I know you I know how much you hated it, so I was trying to glaze past it as fast <laughs> as possible. <laughs> but then he was also in the Twilight Zone movie from nineteen eighty three and that was the uh it's the, a good life segment. Adam, he was the yeah. father in that and like we talked about that previously in the show. Great segment bothers me to this day. It will haunt me until I die. But, you know, like I, I just as a kid, that thing terrified me. Right. We talked about that. But, yeah, like I like that he is um, he branched across like, um, you know, for the most part, like the major portions of the series. Right. So he's game. I appreciate that. He's also in the jerk uh, and then in inner space, you know, that uh, science fiction classic. 
All right, so back to Harry Ray Harryhausen for a brief second. Uh, Tulips Shall Grow was his first credited film that he had worked on, okay. but it was a short. But first full-length film was Mighty Joe Young, and that happened four years prior to The Beast of 20,000 Jack. Oh, oh, so, oh, oh, wait, wait, ooh. here, here, here. We got to say this. Oh, shut up, Paul. There we go. All right. Get it. That's a tie-in. That's a tie-in. Yes. It's a callback, I Terry. Knew, it was I right. Knew, I knew... I knew, and then you questioned me, and then I didn't know. But yeah, we did it. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I'm but wrong often, so please, like, do you need yeah, to? Yeah, and I'm never right. So yeah, ask my wife. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I'm always right. Ask my wife. She won't agree to that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but next year, uh, we have William Smith. I could read that name. Yeah. Uh, he plays the guard in this, um, which we don't really get a, a guard character in the. The or at least not much of a character in the original uh, adaptation of this, but yeah, he he was in Kolchak, the Night Stalker, as well. We get a little mm-hmm. bit more of that kind of conversation here in a second, but um, he was also in Maniac Cop. I always have to bring the horror in here. You know me. I've never and seen Maniac the, Cop. I need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's 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 a lot of fun. Is um, Bruce Campbell in that too? Uh, yes, he's in. Uh, the first and the second one yeah. for a moment, okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, the biggest credit. And I think that most of our fans would be uh, entertained to know that he was Conan's father in Conan, the barbarian. Oh, that's right. He passed away recently. He was talking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, he was also red Dawn, uh, any which way you can, which is the sequel. Uh, yeah. To he, which he, way he's the fight that, uh, yeah. He's like the big fighter at the end. Yeah. Like, I love that credit for him. So but I'm here, just like, yeah, I like, like the, as I found, far as like yeah. our, our conversations, typically I'm like, we got to talk about some night stalker, you know, co-check the night stalker. Cause we recently talked about it. And I was like, Going into Barbarian? Hell yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> so uh, Smith served in the United States Air Force. He won the 200-pound arm wrestling championship of the world multiple times and also won the United States Air Force weightlifting championship. A lifelong bodybuilder, Smith was a record holder for reverse curling his own body weight. Um, cool. I don't know what that means, but I've definitely um, drank my own body weight at times. I don't know what that means. Like I think, but not by reverse curling, by like actively curling. Um, so... Yeah, he's a bad dude. We'll just put it that way. I, he yeah. deserves to be Conan's father. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there, he had, a, he actually had a long career. Uh, he had, like, he actually had uh, his own show at one point too. And he, this probably would have been a promising career for him, like just being a heavy in a lot of different things. But he he tested the limits of his acting abilities, and he he worked out. Very recognizable dude. And this, it's like, yeah, he, yeah just it. Yeah, striking, striking figure. Yeah, yeah, bad, bad dude. And I, I love him in any which way, uh, but loose. Like I just like he's such a menacing um, character at the end of the film because it's like he's the boss, you know, mm. like he's the boss fight. But yeah, nonetheless, we're gonna move on to our next credits here because it's gonna be a long conversation. <laughs> uh, so uh, Earl Billings, uh, he plays uh, Jimmy in this. He was in Con Air. Yes. He was also in the fan. I've not I seen, don't the know if you've ever seen the fan. Uh, he was yeah, born Robert in Cleveland. He was born in Cleveland. He, like, oh, you, yeah. Hey. I've not seen the fan. I know what you're talking about. It's like De Niro and Snipe. Wesley Snipes is in that, I think, right? Correct. Um, yeah. yeah. Snipes plays a bit. Uh, and yeah. then, um, uh, uh, oh my God, who plays the collector? Uh, God, what's his name? In uh, in the Marvel films, uh, he plays the collector in it. Oh, uh, Del Toro, Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. Right? yeah. 
Yeah, he's in it as well. Okay. But yeah, I got him uh, for what's happening, uh, Con Air, a lot of TV work. But thank you for bringing more uh, to Earl Billings. Yeah. So, and then next here is uh, George Petrie. Petrie. I think it's Petrie. Yeah. Petrie. Yeah. So he plays the judge. Uh, he was in planes, trains, and automobiles, and in a bunch of episodes of Dallas. I think that's probably what he's most known All right. Known so for. are you ready? Are you ready for, for some connections here? Uh, yeah. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side. He was in the Twilight Zone episode, the very first one that you and I talked about when I when we got you on the show, and his image. He was in that. Uh, Hawaiian Eye. There we go. Oh, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, which that that's a long running joke. Um, like if people have been listening, there was two shows that I always felt like there was overlap: uh, Hawaiian Eye and Johnny Midnight. Uh, that everybody was in the original series. Hawaiian Eye won out. Uh, but he was in Hawaiian Eye. Uh, congratul- congratulations to <laughs> George Petrie. You're bringing it back, right? So, uh, yeah, there we go. You bastard. I, I thought maybe I would have gotten all the um, like the bigger credits. Well, can I, I, can I, I tease that I've done notes for the next three segments? And there might be um, another Hawaiian Eye and a Johnny Midnight Connection coming up. Oh, and it broke no. my brain when I saw it. I... I almost pissed my pants with joy when I saw that show. Okay, up, so, well, he was yeah. he was also in an episode of well, two episodes of the Adams Family, and the, he was in an episode of Monsters as well. So there's I a mean, fun connection. Yeah, as well. sure, those are okay, but I'm talking about Hawaiian Island. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Give me my dues here. <laughs> I understand. I understand that your every every day your life is the Adams Family or the Munsters. I get it. You know that's the life that you want it's, to live. It's literally one or the other. Like when I wake up, I feel like a monster. So, um, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, next here <laughs> we uh, we have uh, Guy Boyd. He plays uh, Mark Ritchie. He was in Ghost Story, which we had just recently talked about a second ago. But um, you know, in our private conversation, uh, which yeah, I mean, we mentioned I Peter Straub before start recording, but yeah, I continue. Yes, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I just, I, I find it to be such a fascinating story. Um, yeah. So uh, Peter Straub, you know, I, it's like I don't if know. If we want to like, cover ghost story, that we can discuss. Yeah, if we want to get into that um, in our interim, because we're gonna take we're gonna take a probably a protracted, prolonged break. After this, if people can deal with yeah. us for a minute, because it's yeah, been, I, a, it's I been think a journey. That would be an yeah. interesting uh, side, yeah. You know, from everything. Like, I mean, there's some really interesting people connected to that film. Absolutely, but, yeah. yeah. And, and the ever classic uh, Carnivore Carnivore <laughs> Carnosaur Two. He was also in. <laughs> I just like this straight to TV like Cinemax stupid garbage. Um, well, I yeah. have him in Body Double, right? That's um. A De Palma film? Is that was that one of his? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I have not seen it yet, so I didn't really want to yeah. uh, talk about it too much. I've not yeah, seen that, but I know you've talked about was it Dress I to Kill? I love De Palma. Yeah, but you know we talked. Otherwise. I think you and I have uh, circled uh, Dress to Kill uh, maybe a little bit. Um, so yeah. good. Yeah. So Dress to Kill is so good. But yeah, so and yeah, next here we have uh, Hank Garrett. He plays the warden in this, and he was in Serpico, and he was also in Death Wish and Maniac Cop Two. There we go. Oh yeah. So all right. So here uh, he was in. Uh, he was uh, the 1958 winner of the Junior Olympics powerlifting competition. This led to an extended stint of, from 57 to 66 uh, in professional wrestling under the name of the Minnesota Farm Boy. 
And in one of his last matches, he fought a young Jimmy Snuka, who is not problematic whatsoever. Um, Whoa. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Snuka killed somebody. And, and, like, nobody talks about that. Uh, he mentioned this during his Hall of Fame speech with Jimmy Snuka in attendance. And, and, and like, that, what, like, he was like, citation needed. In June 2009, he was inducted to the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Cool. Among Garrett's film credits are, you mentioned Serpico, Three Days of the Condor, Death Wish, and The Sentinel. Um, Garrett tends to be cast as the heavy in many roles. All right. So, um, I also, I also have this in the notes. He played a hitman dressed as a postman in three years of the condor, which I need to see this film. Like people like I, I've heard of this film multiple times. I've not, not seen it during the filming. A tell was needed so that Robert Redford's character would know that Garrett was not a real postman. And Redford thought of the idea to have Garrett wear Redford's shoes in the scene. And that would raise suspicion. I don't know what that means. Meaning did he just take his shoes? I guess we'll just watch the film and figure out. Uh, but Garrett wears Redford's shoes in the scene. And that would uh, raise suspicion during the filming and the fight scene. Garrett broke Redford's nose. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, he won the New York Films Critic Award for that role. Um, yeah, so yeah, he broke uh, Robert Redford's nose. So we got who is also a Twilight Zone connection. So got to respect that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you of course, have to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next year we have. Uh, I, I, this one's gonna be difficult for me. Here, to let me let me say this one because it's like it's a single name. Are you really? Is this what you're talking about? Like, and it's cha- it, yeah, it's changed um, since the time of this filming. Too. Yeah. Uh, Ellie Riano as the foreman of the jury, right? So yeah, the jury foreman. Yeah. Ellie Riano. I think that's how you pronounce the name, right? So that's what I have for them. Um, they, they look like they were a model. They were like trying to do like the Madonna thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, well, the, the things that I would bring to this is, um, she was in Valley of the dolls. So, uh, I mean, there's a Sharon Tate connection there. Yeah. And then she was also in the, the, the Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Yes. Again. So and a film called Bad actors. Dreams that people have said is like a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff, which it's not. Uh, just because the title says Bad Dreams. Uh, I covered it uh, on my blog on the other show that I do. Um, not a great movie because it has um, the chick from um, Nightmare 3. Uh, what's her name? The one that used the switchblades, right? The, uh, the drug addict. Oh yeah. no, no! You're okay. You're thinking of the other girl. But the mohawk. Um, no, yeah, I can't. Yeah, she's the lead yeah, in the movie. The, um, she's but, bad and beautiful. Yeah, but like the main bad guy in this film dies because he gets like he's like a cult leader and like gets set on fire. But then you find out in real life this guy actually had like a bit in his life where he like got set on fire and like eighty percent of his skin burned up. So him acting as a burn victim is like, oh, you actually know this. Like, it's very upsetting, but there's also a bit in Bad Dreams where somebody takes, like, you remember, like, those big Rambo survival knives, like, the big, big ones, like, you know, like, you could, like, it's just huge, those huge knives. Yeah, or somebody, and, like, somebody, like, there's a, yeah. there's a bit in the movie where somebody actually takes, like, their hand and drives it through the knife where, like, the middle part, like, the fleshy part of the palm goes through. And it is one of the most upsetting, like, um, physical effects I've ever seen in a film. It's upsetting. Like, I just, it's because like, it looks so real. And all you do the entire time is like, you want to curl your toes and like curl into a ball and die. <laughs> Not a great movie, but some effective moments, especially knowing that the main bad guy, um, you know, he knows what fire feels like, but yeah, bad dreams, weird film. Yeah. 
So I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, I don't know. Or not. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The next and last credit here yes. that I have, at least, is that uh, Gilbert. We're almost an hour in. I apologize, everybody. Continue, please, Terry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert D. La Pe- uh, Pena. Pena. Yeah. Uh, he plays Munoz. Uh, he was in Assault on uh, Precinct 13. So that's something that you've discussed on your other podcast. Um, yeah. I don't know if you had anything else for this. Nope, gentleman. that's it. Thank you. We're done, everybody. Good night. Good night. No, no. So, <laughs> all right. So I'm sorry. I've been dragging this out. I apologize for everybody listening. Uh, but yeah, uh, so let's get into uh, shadow play. Um, so interesting thing. So this is an update of the original season two of the original series. Um, so what I was trying to take my notes, um, there is a book that I used previously for the original series. It's called the twilight zone unlocking the door to a television classic by Martin Grams jr. Um, it is an amazing book and it made all of us sound so much smarter, right? Like it just, it just so much knowledge in this. But when I was looking at this, it always included the Serling bits of like the intro, the teaser, his final commentary. Um, Terry, it's it, we watched this and it's like, oh, like, you know, um, Charles Aidman, like whoever writes his dialogue, it always sounds like, you know, it gets weird and not always pertinent. Um, he literally said word for word the Serling intro to the original episode, which we, you and I talked about this, like, uh, like, you know, off mic a couple days ago. Um, I think it's more appropriate if we play the Serling intro because Serling is the one that wrote the dialogue and says it better. So let's do Serling. Can we go and, and, and go back to those waters and like, you know, swim in the Serling, you know, ness and enjoy it for a minute. Look, yeah. Let's hear from the master himself. Adam Grant, a nondescript kind of man found guilty of murder and sentenced to the electric chair. Like every other criminal caught in the wheels of justice, he's scared, right down to the marrow of his bones. But it isn't prison that scares him, the long, silent nights of waiting, the slow walk to the little room, or even death itself. It's something else that holds Adam Grant in the hot, sweaty grip of fear. Something worse than any punishment this world has to offer. Something found only in... The Twilight Zone. I also like it this intro when the camera goes over to him. You can you can tell me if I remember this correctly. It goes to Serling in the courtroom, <laughs> like like sitting. Yeah, like yeah, him, he's behind like the the the, uh, the like the bailiff and like like, like the, yeah the box like or whatever. Right? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's but, but, I think I, honestly, I think it's refreshing at this point now to hear Serling's voice doing the intro because I mean, no offense against uh, Charles Aidman. Uh, he has a great voice and like his delivery really, really works. But the lines that are either written for him or he wrote, which I doubt he wrote those, mm-hmm. they just don't hit. They just don't hit well. And it's like to hear from the, 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 the OG, the master, I, it just feels a lot more um, convincing. And the only real uh, like differences between what, the original episode is and what this episode is and how the delivery is. Um, it, it's a matter of how uh, we get the ultimate demise of Adam Grant, which is the, the, ex, uh, the electric chair is the original episode. That's fair. And right, then, then the hanging, hanging by death. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, I think um, 
I just, I don't know, Serling writes for Serling and he has a certain particular uh, dictation, right? And yeah. like, and to revisit that is like, thank you. Like, can I have like, it's one of those things I'm like, Oh yeah, that's why I love this. But yeah, I just wanted to play that dialogue. Cause it's just like nothing against Aidman. And we're, we're like, from, from what I understand of the series of this eighties iteration after this, I don't know if it's going to continue into the second season, but it's short lived. So well, this, I don't know. Yeah. This, this is the best part of having all your toys and you know, like when you get a little bit more, uh, older and you're playing with other different toys. You're mm-hmm. like, but I can still play with these old toys and bring yeah. them into this. Every like, chance so you have your Transformers them. with your Ninja Turtles. It's like, hell yeah, yeah dude. If, if I ever get a chance <laughs> to bring Serling back in, I will. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, he's the reason this exists, right? So, exactly. yeah. And, and we're, feel, like, yeah. Like, like I said, it's, it feels right. Like, especially with this kind of discussion, it's like, I, I, I just feel more at home with his voice and telling us like what is about to happen here with, you know, Adam Grant. Yeah. Which I should say this right now. I know we've been going on too long. I apologize to everybody and to you, Terry, for me uh, being, um, you know, a hack and a fraud. Um, go back and watch the original episode first. Cause it is, I mean, both have their merits. Don't get me wrong about this whatsoever. I think this is a wonderful segment. However, um, it's almost one of those ones where it's like, the biggest difference is that it's in color, <laughs> you know, like I think that's cause it's like, you don't need to tweak it like so much. And I think the performances are good. It's just like, Oh, you just, you just, you just updated it for TV. So people were like, I'm tired of black and white. It's like, yeah, but what if we do in color? Okay, great. Like, you know, like Dennis Weaver's the lead in the original. He's not being chased by a large, like, you know, semi truck, yeah, whatever. Anyway. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> had you and seen? We've only had two updates at this point too, because it's we had Night of the Meek and then this. That's the only two that we've discussed at this. That's point, true right? in terms of like actual straight up uh, updates. You're right. That's fair. Right. And yeah. like yeah. Night of the Meek had its differences too from the original. It, it, story no, that was significantly different. I mean, there was still there was a joy to yeah. it, but it was a different story. And um, we went from Dead Man's Shoes to well, even Dead Woman's Shoes was different because it wasn't so much gangster based. <laughs> You know, like, right. yeah, this one of the, of the three, this is, um, this is the one that, that hears the, the most closely to the original source material and rightfully so Almost because, you know, well, fair enough. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know, like whatever I like, I don't know how much you want to get, like, where are you, where are you so far in, but yeah, um, Adam is waiting for a verdict. We still get this wonderful kind of like, um, pullback crane shot of the courtroom which I love. I love that shot. Right. Um, and like, uh, so he's being, uh, kill, uh, you know, found guilty of murder in the first degree. I like that. We get him pinching himself to try to like, wake up but spoilers. Right. Um, and then we find out he's going to be sentenced to death by hanging. And he, like Peter coyotes, like laughter here, which I played at the beginning. I like that. Like him. He's almost like, like, you're kidding me. Are we doing this again? Like what? Sorry, spoiler. But I love his reaction. It's very off-putting. Well, it, in case anybody has not seen the original episode, and it's like this is like your introduction to what the storyline is, uh, it's going to get spoiled really quick for you. But yeah, I mean, like Paul said, you should you should watch the original episode. I, I think it's a fascinating storyline. Um, it, it, it invokes a lot of different things uh, when it comes to what we're about to discuss. I mean, like, 
I mean, there's just something to really be drawn from this as far as a discussion. But, but yeah, like I, I think, uh, you know, uh, P- Peter Coyote, it, he's, you could see that he's totally not interested in what's about to happen. Um, and then like the laughter really seems to be somewhat maniacal, but also like just a guy at his wits. Like, yeah. I don't know what else to do now. So like, I just, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, let me ask you this. Like, I know that you, you joined me, uh, in like the later part of the first season. Sorry, sorry, sorry. For original series. Right. Had you seen right. shadow play the original? Uh, like, I, I thought I had, but like revisiting it recently, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen. So you before. watched this one first, and then went back and watched the original, right? Is right, and I, okay. and I think that at least for this conversation, it worked better because, and at least I had an understanding of what the similarities and the differences were from this point of view. So this will be interesting because this one, this was kind of fresh to you, versus me like knowing what what was going on already. Correct. Okay. So yeah, I'm the, I am the novice here. So. No, 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 no. I think that's, I think that's a wonderful point of reference, right? Cause I think that's the best conversation. So, um, so yeah, he tells the judge, he's like, I don't have to listen to you. This is all a dream. And then, um, you know, he gets shuffled out of the courtroom and nobody's taking him seriously. And then, um, we get, um, him being taken to his cell and we get the guard, you know, like being a dick. Like the total long walk too. Yeah. Good Lord. We could have shaved a little bit off of this. Well, I mean, there's only two segments in this episode, right? And then when we get to the next one, you'll be like, you know what? They could have added more minutes to this one. Spoiler. (laughs) To this, to this segment. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Spoiler. I mean, it's like the tropes, the the tropes are sitting here though, too, like on full display where it's like somebody's playing a harmonica and it's like, it's so dark. It's so droning. Like we're we're taking quite a bit of time to get to our our cell. It's like, and of course we get the dick guard who's like omega dick. Like I just it's like a trope that exists in almost every prison film I've oh, ever yeah. seen. And it's like, and I love. Uh, side note too, I love prison films for some reason. That is a subgenre that I absolutely adore. That's some true. of my favorite films. You, you, have, you have forced films. Uh, prison films on me that I've watched. Yeah. Um, like yeah. Uh, escape from Alcatraz and Shawshank Redemption are two of my favorite of the subgenre. So good. Yes. <laughs> so good. So, but like, especially whenever like, like he, um, like, uh, you know, Grant being like, I don't like, he's like, I don't know which one's mine. Cause it changes. I think that's an interesting statement too. Like, I think like there, like as we go further with this, I like that there are certainties and then there's things that are, uh, are uncertain. Like I just, I love this idea of the story. So like, so the guard is like, you know, being addicted to him, whatever. So, and then, and then the other prisoners as he's in his cell, knowing like his fate, that's what the other ones are like, like talking to him. And he was like, I love that. He's like, I'm not sure where I got you guys from. Like, he's like, I think I saw one of you from a film that was like, you know, with a bad guy. And he's like, and he's telling it was us, a like, Perry Mason yeah. episode. I'm like, yeah. probably. Yeah. But it was like, I like, he's like, they're all like freaking out. And he's like, yeah, I don't know where I got you from. Cause you're a figment of like of my subconscious, but I love that. He's like, I think I watched you in a TV show once, you know, like, 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 I think that's an interesting statement. Right. So then, um, they seem very real. And that's, that, yeah. that's the thing too. It's like, so we get our uh, our one character here, and uh, Jimmy, I believe it is, yeah, 
uh, uh, Earl yes. Billings as uh, Jimmy. Jimmy is panicked terrified. and freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is like, he is like the stereotypical, like the dude that's about to lose his shit in a cell. Like, yeah. Hey man, give this guy time to breathe. I want to know what he has to say. Cause I mean, I don't want to look, I, you know, like he doesn't want to look down that hallway, you know? Yeah. And then like, he doesn't, and like ultimately, which we are about to get is a description too of the walk. That's a terrifying scene. And honestly, I, I just I, like, it doesn't need the, uh, the visuals, but we get those too. I'm like, but yeah, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here. But, no, yeah. no, because like, like, so we get Grant basically being like, you know what? I'll tell you how it goes. I'll tell you how I die. And he's just telling Jimmy, he goes through like step-by-step step, walking down the hallway, being taken up the staircase and everything going on. And then he, like, he knew the step count too. Yes. It's like, God, that's scary. But it's like, and it's just interesting because it's like, he's so matter of fact about it. Right. And then we get, not only do we get some of the visual, the, the um, sound work here yeah. is amazing. Oh, that's great. <sighs> like the clanking. The door shutting, the, the steps. creakiness, yes, yeah, like, like those, those I think work better than anything else. It's a um, very, uh, it's a very um, not visceral but like organic feel to this, right? It's like it, it just for for a series in this revival that we've been talking about, where I don't think they always get like how to do nuance. Um, it's, well, when you go back to the original episode, like it's all there, the blueprints there. This is like. It's it's almost a parallel to Nightcrawlers, where when the main character is talking about the things he's been through, and you hear mm-hmm. it versus seeing it. No, that's a good call. And then you honestly. see some of it, like the, like you know what I mean. Like I think there's something there, right? It's very effective, and Peter Coyote like sells the hell out of it, right? And then yeah, Jimmy and, and also like, sells like, the hell out of I don't want to hear this. Shut up! And he's like, uh, you want to know? I'll tell you. <laughs> like it's just well, yeah, and again, ugh. like you said, like the delivery, and it's like I think really this would work well as a stage play. I oh, mean, just a thousand like, percent, yeah, yeah. I, I I could see somebody looking at the audience deadpan with no expression on their face whatsoever, and describing this, and then just hearing those subtle the, noises, those sounds, and even if you did like a backdrop with like a like a shadow projection of God, everything, yeah, like, that would it, be it, so it, effective, it, yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen plays like this before that have just done this. Yeah, and it's 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 very reminiscent of it. I mean, which also when the taint, the name Shadow Play, right? That it's implying that it goes Correct. back to yeah. it almost goes back to like uh, puppet shows or even the Magic Lantern shows, right? Well, like, e- yeah. Even when this is all set up in the beginning, when we first get the uh, the jury room in that, it, there, it like it. It especially works really, really well in the the first version of it, the, the original version mm-hmm. of it, should I say. Um, we get the light, and it's yes. just on Adam, and then all of a sudden the light focuses a little bit more on his uh, his lawyer. Then all of a sudden, like we hear the door open, and it, then the lights just open it, up. It to becomes the rest a stage it. play. It becomes like it's just it's, yeah, it's so phenomenal done. Yeah. And it's just like it because the world opens up, which we know why, right? So, yeah, the focus, yeah. then the real world. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, I mean, masterfully done. Yeah. So, everybody watch the original one and watch this one too. But I'm saying, like, you know, like, so, like, I mean, they did the same scene too. Yeah. It's just not as impactful. I mean, 
I, I'll, I'll explain why I think it is for what it is. We'll get there at the end. But so, um, but like when, when Adam's talking about everything, when he even gets to like, you know, like how the hanging happens and there's things that he shouldn't know that he does know, meaning like um, the stuff that happens after the hood's dropped on him, you know, as like being hung. Like there's things that he's aware of that's like, how do you even know that's going to happen? Because you shouldn't be privy to that information because, well, supposedly you haven't been hung yet, but you've been like, you know, you have been right. So whatever. Uh, but he talks about like once the platform drops, he doesn't remember what happens next. And I think that's a very interesting admission for him. He's like, well, that's what happens, you know, like up to the point where he talks about the the noose being like pulled to like be like like behind right his behind left ear. ear yeah right all that stuff right so works really really well so then we cut to mark the prosecutor as at home with his wife carol who's a bitch i'm spoilers um so he keeps thinking about adam's like like him acting up during the sentencing but i like that carol's like hey you're not drunk enough but you didn't make me a drink <laughs> you know I'm like like hey let's get sloshed and listen to some uh Oh, what was it? Um, she Johnny mentioned Mathis. Johnny Mathis, whatever. That's going to pay off later, right? But yeah, like so. Then uh, the defense attorney, who was the one representing uh, Adam, shows up uh, to the home, and she's distraught. And so I like this bit too, which I think I think this is what happens in the original episode. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Where he's like, they don't really know each other, but she's showing up because he understands that, like you know, somebody's going to die tonight, and. You're not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. He offers to make her a drink. And then the moment she says what kind of drink she wants, he says it out loud at the same time. And they both yeah, look at each other. It's a martini, yeah. very dry on the rocks. Yeah. I just I think that happens in the original episode too, right? Like there's a whole thing of like. Um, well, the, the, the other guy is already sloshed by the time he walks in the door. And like he just starts drinking the dude's gin. He's like, that's my good gin. What are you doing over there? Oh, you mean Paul? The Paul, yeah. the Paul, the other guy, yeah. Oh, shut up, Paul. Yeah, wait, yeah, wait. Like, oh, shut yeah. up, Paul. There we go. Yeah. One of my favorite clips ever from a Twilight Zone episode because you know, he, he's yeah. the defender. Yeah, he's he, the yeah, he's defender. the yeah. So Paul, you know, rightfully so, I defend all Pauls, right? So I mean, know. he's going right for the good gin. So yeah. I mean, good, good on you, Paul. Yeah, but here, here, this is the other one. This is not both of them sober, reliable. The best man. Not part of this episode. But. Not tonight. <laughs> you, you're, not, you're not getting that podcast. No, right? no, 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 no. But yeah, but you got you to gotta get one of these again. Oh, shut up, Paul. I just, my yeah. gosh, it's so amazing. All right. Anyway, so, so yeah. But anyway, so we have her being upset. But like, like, are you wrong? And he's like, but you know, whatever. So, but I like that we get this cutaway where like reality as they know it, like, is it what, isn't what they seem? And they start to kind of poke at the edges of it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's very, um, uh, Swiss cheese, you know, like I was like, so we get a, a brief moment later where some questions were asked by, um, the defender. It's like, and the wife can't answer him. It's like, mm -hmm. so we'll get there when we get there. But yeah. it's like, it, yeah, it's a very interesting well, like, uh, dialogue. Aaron, between like, these the, people. The, like she's the defense attorney. She's like, well, okay, great. Like, isn't it weird to you that like we had this big high profile like murder case and there was no press and like there's nothing yeah, else? Yeah, it was there. on. Yeah, it was on a Sunday. On a Sunday. Well, no, that was no, actually we would get that between Grant uh, and, and, and Carol. Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like this whole thing where like nothing's adding up, right? And then um, because she believes that it, the Aaron believes at twelve oh one when uh, Adam is going to be hung that they're all going to disappear. I think we're all going to die. And then she points out there was no spectators, no press. 
Uh, so it's like this whole thing where it's like, even though we as the audience are like watching them, which we've all had dreams. We know shit gets weird, which sorry, spoilers. Extremely we go, weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we go back <laughs> to Adam asking what time it is. Cause he makes the reference. He's like, Oh, uh, the district attorney who shows up around nine. He's like, you know, whatever. So that's when we get, um, that's when we get, uh, was it Mark showing up around nine to talk to Adam, which I think is also interesting too, because I think it's playing with the notion of travel because we get to this a little bit later, uh, where it's like, as, as watchers of a TV show, when somebody shows up to the scene, we never question how long it takes for them to get to place to place. They're just there. Mm -hmm. Um, we have no idea how far away Mark lives from the prison. Right. And they kind of call it out a little later. Right. But it's like, it's, it's screwing with like with the idea of storytelling, it's screwing with like the meta of storytelling where he like, so you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like Buster Keaton, one of, one of his earlier films, he did a gag where, um, he leaves a house and gets in a car. It's all one take. And he goes and does like a big U-turn over to the other side of the street and gets out of the car and walks into a house. And that's the next scene because he was annoyed as a storyteller where people are like, if you just do an edit from one scene to the next, people won't understand what's going on. So he's like, all right, I'll waste your time and drive across the street and get out of my car and walk into a house. Like he was trying to show people that they're more sophisticated to understand how storytelling works. This is taking the piss out of that too, where it's like, like um, people are showing up where it's like physically they probably shouldn't, but that's not how this is going to work tonight. And Adam is aware of it. Does that make sense? Like in terms well, of like, it makes yeah, total sense. Yeah. I mean, it's especially in the, the concept of like, and you know, we get this discussion mm-hmm. and I, I guess I'll go forward a little bit. Please. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we get the discussion between Adam Grant and when Mark comes into his cell and it's like, I knew you were going to be here. It's uh, but I don't know what I can really say to you. It was like, I tried to change what the scenario is going to be multiple upon multiple times. But he's, he's trying to tell him, he's like, you're here because it's, a, a, you know, I, I was tried today. He's like, but I'm supposed to be executed tonight. He's like, the courts are not open on Sunday. That means that on uh, Monday morning at 12.01, I'm supposed to be hanged until death. Courts are not open on Sundays. He's like, well, that didn't happen today. But he has no logical explanation of like when the timeline was. You know, it's yeah. like that's that's the interesting thing about this dialogue here. It's like Mark can't explain it, but he knows that it is to the core the truth. I know it's true because this is happening. Everything is already in motion right now. It's like, you know, some people in religion. I don't know it's true, but it's happening. Like it's already like, you know, I believe. So it's then therefore it's true you know yeah like and also like that he's like kind of frustrated because there's a bit too where like mark is like saying things and then adam's like saying word for word like what he's about to say it's, yeah, it's a funny bit the, yeah yeah pl- putting on the fire uh and uh playing johnny mathis yeah and it's that like, unnerves he, he mark. lists the same yeah. three artists yeah. that uh he listed or like his wife listed yeah, but and then, then, we, at, yeah. at that same point, we we teeter back to 
um, defendant, or the, the, I'm sorry, the, def- the public defender and uh, Mark's wife. And she's like, so how long have you been married to Mark? And she's like, why does that matter? She's like, just answer the question. <laughs> and it's just like, she can't say it. Silence. Yeah. She doesn't know. So it's like, what is this? The Langoliers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then like, we eventually figure out that like the representation, like, so, well, I guess we will skip ahead here. So after that, we get that, the whole thing where it's like the three of them, we get like, you know, Aaron, Carol and, and Mark, um, are suddenly like unsure of themselves. Rightfully so. Right. But then, mm. um, as Adam's waiting, like their father grant shows up and, and he's like, Oh, I was wondering when you would show up. It's like, he is a Catholic priest. He is a father cause a, a Catholic priest, but he's the representation of Adam's father. And he keeps calling him dad, which I think like, I like. Oh, yeah, he's like, like, oh. he's like hey, what's your last name? He's like, well, Grant, Grant. like yours. Yeah. Yeah. But I, he's like, oh, it's a common name. It's like, yeah, I was wondering where you show up, Dad. You've been dead for years. But I, but basically, he's working through his guilt. He's like, I don't know why you're here, but I know you're here for a reason. And it's like, what, I, yeah, go ahead, please. And, and one of the interesting ones here, too, that he had said to uh, Father Grant is uh, Carol with is his sister. And her character yes. has never changed in any one of his, quote, unquote, dreams. So. We're, we're kind of going a little closer and closer. I know that we've hinted it to it, but it's like, this is ultimately a very weird parallel between what might be reality and what is about to happen. But um, Adam says, yeah, Carol is my sister and she's never changed in any one of these scenarios. I just think that some, somewhere along the lines, she hates me and I don't know what I've done. So it's like, but that's how it goes. Sometimes brothers hate sisters and likewise. Yeah. And like, it, it's just, that's so emotially honest. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, just, it's yeah. quite brutally honest. I mean, like I, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I'm going to leave that yeah. one on the drawing board there. <laughs> I, no, I'm just going to put it this way. Like, um, my relationship with, uh, my older brother is, uh, not great. And do I have dreams sometimes where I yell at him? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, that's what, like, ugh, you know, um, am I on death row? Uh, no, um, but <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm like, I, you know, Adam, Adam has some shit going on. He needs to work through, but anyway, so yeah, like, I think it's interesting that like, he's acknowledging that like, um, the scenario stays the same, but the faces change. That is like that's interesting to me. Like I think that's very very it's interesting. A, it's a, it's yeah. a bit of resolve to like I I'm not quite sure which part of this scenario I need to make penance for, but I, you know what I mean. It's like he he realizes at least at the very least for his sister Carol I've done wrong by her. Yeah. So like saying it out loud, it's like it's a very much like a. And this might be something a little bit more relevant for people who've probably seen it. Uh, something like uh, Groundhog's Day. Yes. You know, like all these moving pieces and all you can do is just be like, I'm sorry. Like, and then try to fix whatever that possible problem is just so you can move to the next scenario and be like, okay, well, I, I understand this one now. So then, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all these moving pieces that like, 
I don't know what I've done wrong, but at least through all this process of elimination, maybe I could figure it out. And he at least acknowledges, again, that Carol is someone that he is not satisfied. No, that's fair. I think that's I think it's a valid point of like, because she's a constant no matter what happens, right? So, Correct. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, in terms of when we cut away to her, she's the one that is, like, the most adamant about the, like, ca- capital punishment. Like, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Re- really, yeah. like, not even talking about his crimes. Just is like, he needs to pay for what he has done. And just being so, like, yeah. uh, forward with not only uh, his defender, but her her own husband. Like, yeah. like no, he's going to pay for what he's done. Like, there's, I, I, like credit there's no to this, amount like, of sympathy uh, in yeah. her. There, there is something in the script that like, I, there is that like human guilt that like mm-hmm. it permeates and it works so well. Right. So then, uh, but then, um, after, you know, like his father gives him like, you know, like last rights or whatever, uh, we cut back to, uh, we like that, uh, Mark is suddenly back at his house again, like, you know, because of TV, right. That's what that's supposed to happen. And he's going to call the governor because like Aaron and Carol are convinced that like, Oh shit. Like maybe this guy is onto something. Maybe maybe Adam is like the reason we're still alive because maybe he's dreaming us. And then, but also previous to this, we didn't talk about this. Adam said to Mark, "He's like, you're always going to call the governor at the last, like, like too late, right? Like that's the big thing." Yeah, it's he's like, like uh, he's yeah. even said that he's attacked him in a cell, just Hoping trying to change like that variable, yeah. trying to change everything, right? Like so then, yeah. So then Mark tries to call the governor. Um, but Adam's already like being led to the gallows. We have that whole sequence again and we see a little bit more versus hearing it this time around, uh, mm. which works. Right. But then whenever he actually goes to get like hung, when he drops behind the sheet, the, the noose is empty. Right. And that's interesting. But then I also like, we cut back to the characters that we know and they're like, Oh, uh, the, the clock mantles disappeared. Uh, the booze disappeared. Um, people disappeared. <laughs> it's like we, everybody's we gone. Time, time eating monsters. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's uh, it's the killer tomatoes going around and uh, <laughs> eating up yesterday, right? Like that's why. I like I was like, we. I have to bring up the language. ears, like, right? It's to. like yeah, uh, yeah. Oh shit! Uh, you know, Bronson Pinchot uh, died, and Dean Stockwell moved forward, and the language, the angry tomatoes are eating up yesterday, right? Like, Dude, sorry, I, I have to. Put, I have to put this out there. One of my biggest criticisms. I'm not even going to wait until the end. Why did we need that? Why? Was it absolutely necessary to have these things just disappear? The people disappear? No. I know that's like their subtle change to the script. Like but I, that was so. Speak not to me. I've not seen. I did not rewatch the 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 original recently. So it's just, tell me what happened. I, I apologize. Tell everybody what happened whenever we got to the the actual like we didn't actually like the clock ticked right and adam died yeah we we see we see yeah. the ticking clock we see grant strapped in yeah the electric chair versus see, being hung, hung right yeah correct yeah so that like i mean that ultimately is like one of the biggest changes to the script is that in the uh, in the way that he's being executed and we get the phone call and we hear we hear the phone ringing. We see the phone like I think it's also blinking too, because it has like a little red light. Mm-hmm. But there are three people standing in front of 
no, no, that was this version. I'm sorry. There is a guy at the, the, the switch. And when he throws the switch, it's that's it. It's done. And then all of a sudden we get the court scene again. Okay. I mean, I'm going to guess because of censors at the time, you couldn't really do what like this one did. Um, yeah. But I would also agree that like that still works better. But um, yeah. So we get, we get the empty noose. But then we cut like to reality disappearing because then that also reaffirms like the notion that like he knows it's a dream, right? But then right. we end up on the same scene um, where he's like being judged. However, the actors playing the different parts have changed. Right. So the, every actor that we have noted, and I didn't want to give away anything here as far as the credits, but they have played double roles in this. Mm -hmm. So uh, in particular, uh, the defense attorney for Adam is now playing the judge and the attorney for the state, I believe is played by the guard, which is William Smith. Yeah. But that his, his attorney is Jimmy, right? Like that's right. Yeah. It's so like, I mean, without extending this out so much longer because like, it really doesn't have to be explained. No. It's a very fascinating way to like kind of extrapolate a little bit more on what's going in, on in Adam Grant's head. Yeah, but and well, what the now dream sequence could be now. Now we're completely in with him, right? We now and, know and, he's and right. It's a, yeah. it's a yeah. never-ending cycle. Yeah, and we we believe him now as a viewer. Yeah, because we now are seeing the same things in whatever. It's like so. With that being said. For whatever for whatever reason, he is now stuck in this perpetual nightmare of right. this loop of being judged um, and sentenced and murdered. Not murdered, like you know, sentenced to death, whatever you want to call it. Right. So that that's it, which is the same same loop from the original episode. Um, so I want to put it to you. You've <laughs> seen both. Um, like you watched this one. And tell me how you felt about it. And you're like, oh, that, uh, and then how you originally felt about it, then going back to the original. Okay. So like, I, I, I felt like this was a, a, uh, a, a solid story. I think it was well told. Mm-hmm. But when you see the original episode and how it was executed, I feel like they did a far better job of really getting to um, – the scenes that needed to be like the story, the story pieces. Like, I, I think that like Adam Grant uh, in his depiction and like the scenes that he really was like trying to tell the audience what was going on. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, really again, like this boils down to this works better as a, a screenplay, like for something like a play we grant is the person, the through line. And when he talks, in the original, uh, you feel more in tuned with going, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, and how the storytelling is and then his delivery. I just, I felt, I don't, I, I, it's like, it's weird to say because it's like, I did watch the remake first 
but I felt like it was way, way better executed with the original storyline. And that's okay. I, I did, yeah. You know, it's like, I, it's like if I would have only seen this, I was like, I wouldn't have known any better, but it was still good. You know, that's, just so felt, that's my argument is that like when this aired, maybe people didn't always get, cause we, we understand that we're at a point in the eighties where like, you know, streaming wasn't a thing actively being able to see the twilight zone in the original iteration in terms of syndication wasn't a thing, right? Like, I mean, it was, but like, what are your odds of catching this one versus well, and, everything and, else? Right. Like, and, 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 and it's all right too. I feel like I was somewhat robbed of what this storyline could be because I mean, I've seen, uh, which I've already noted uh, a, a little bit ago that uh, groundhog's day, which is like a completely like roundabout, roundabout, roundabout storytelling until yeah. it's like, you finally figure it out. But then another film that I would want to uh, say is like kind of ruined this is uh, uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> shit. That's not the actual name of the film. It is. Um, yeah, uh, they changed it, but uh, it was uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. That, yeah. But they're like, they, yeah. when you when you look at it on the shelf, it says Live, Die, Repeat. Well, because so when like, they <laughs> released it for video, they're like, that's the better name for it. Right. Edge yeah, of Tomorrow. Not- that's a fun film. Like, I, oh, I, I love that film. Yeah. As far as alien invasion films, that is top notch. But yeah. like, as far as like where it goes and like how it tells you like that this character needs to get things right and like kind of figure out what the hell he did wrong. Similar, very, very similar. I'm like, damn, I was like, I've already seen this and I feel, I feel cheated because it's like, if I would have seen shadow play, the original shadow play from season two of the original twilight zone, I would have been like, well, every, everything is going to be following these footsteps. Yeah. And that's kind of where like, so like, 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 um, you're talking about like, you know, the, 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 like a time loop, right? Like that's something that's been, uh, examined much more past this point. And this isn't so much a time loop, but it's like, it is, but it isn't because it's more, it's more dream logic, but also very meta before we talk about meta being a thing. You know, like, because the main character is actively aware of what's going on every single time. And even, which is way more know, frightening. It is also consider that when it came out, was it in like 63 or whatever the original episode came out? Like there was a lot of pushback because like people didn't get it. Like it's like, but I also would imagine that when this came out, when this, this one aired, people didn't get it, you know, <laughs> like, like I just, it is, it's one of those things that's like. Um, trust like the hand that's like, you know, on the tiller this entire time and it's going to pay off where I don't know if we got like this level of sophistication, uh, of storytelling and trust in this iteration of the twilight zone. And so it's interesting to me that we don't always get that, but we had to go back what 30 years in terms of when this came out or even 20 some years to get something that was very self-assured and very much like just we're going to, we're going to not break the fourth wall, but like we're going to bring you something like, I don't know, man, like it's just, it was a very raw experience in terms of season two of the twilight zone. When I, like when I came across this, it kind of, it broke my brain. I'm like, Oh God, there's people already thinking about this stuff. That right. in terms of uh, sophistication of storytelling, now I'm not saying that like Sterling and company weren't capable of that because they were, but this is something different, right? Like it is 
it's 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 nightmare logic, which um, really wasn't a thing then. And I don't think it was really a thing when this re- that update came out. But I think that you and I, we've been exposed to this, Pat, like, you know, because, you know, we can only exist where we, where we like, exist now. Right. Like, so it's, 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 I'm just saying like meet it where it was. I'm glad that you watched this sight and scene. Um, it is frustrating that you didn't see the original first, but, but that's like, you know what? That's okay. Because that gives you a different perspective than I had, because this is one of my favorite episodes of the original series. It's in my top 10. Like, I think this is a waking nightmare on purpose. It is phenomenal. I, 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 I'm i glad I watched the, the remake first because it gives a little bit more complexity to our discussions. Yeah. And, and overall, it's like, I, I mean, I, I think we have great discussions, but it's these little things sometimes that makes it a little bit more spicy. And, I, I mean, this is it's such a, compl- a, competent, a competently made episode and i think that they did a good job with it but overall man like you can't beat the original episode and that's not being like a fanboy about it it's just when you really it, look it is at what it is. how yeah yeah when you look at how this was presented and like the true um magic that what was filming at that point and like perspective framing all that it's like cinematography like something about the black and white part of that like there's there's a um a really quick cut in the original episode that goes from uh like the prison to like a roast coming out of the oven and there's the sound that just is very it's very upsetting right like yeah because it's like they're talking about him being in an electric chair and all of a sudden she pulls the steaks out of a broiler yeah and i'm like whoa <laughs> it's very it's it's a very modern cut like not yeah. mo- modern is not the right word it's like it's an ageless it cut something it's ageless right it's a very effective yeah. and credit to john brahm like in terms of that like he understood like it will keep you off kilter the entire time but i like my god like some i will i'm not trying to be like you know a hipster or whatever it's like but Black and whites hold up, held up so much more than what we got. It's especially in that opening scene when they're in the courtroom. Like, I just think that is so well done because uh, we get an opening shot on Adam where he's contemplating everything. Yeah. And then it like that little bit of light, then it opens up onto his defender. Then, and then all like, like we get that one bit of sound of a door opening and then closing. And then all the rest of the courtroom is opened up with light. It's such a awesome yeah. scene. It really is. It's it's really done well. And yeah. I mean, like they they tried to do that, but it's like it's not as effective. No, because because well, I, one I mean, like it's we we understood they shot on film and then transferred to video, so it's lost. Like some of that's been lost, mm-hmm. but it's like it's just, there's something about the starkness, which I think that this story is served better with that stark contrast, right? Like yeah. yeah. It's very bleak in the sense that, like, you know, Adam is filled with the dark dread. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, here comes the light. And it's like, but it is a, it, it, it's false promise. It's all well, false He's filled with the guilt that he can't assuage. But at the same time, like, he, he doesn't deserve the punishment that's been brought to him. I mean, in his mind, right? Because we don't know. 
right? There's the ambiguity there that works really, really well. So anyway, um, we've been talking way too long about this, so I do apologize, but, um, we knew it was going to be a longer discussion. I mean, we, we've also primed everybody with that as well. So, you know, I'm glad you like this. I mean, it, I both have their merits, but I will just say this, this isn't always the case with everything. Go back and watch the original episode. I think it is superior in a lot of ways. I think this one's still good. And I also think because of them calling their shot to do like, like this is a very ballsy story, right? In terms of like, like, I don't know. There's a lot of like weird, safe comedy garbage that we've been dealing with in this, the season of the eighties iteration. Like this is one that's like, it's challenging. So I appreciate at least that some, like they tried to do something. They tried, and and I don't want to say they failed, but I, I would just say that it was a little unnecessary. Like, it's like if you, I mean, you know, a grounder is a grounder. Like that's kind of what this <laughs> is. It's, it's a grounder. You, you got you got the first base. You got the first you know, base. It wasn't you did, all. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, you I was didn't, like, all right, cool. Maybe maybe there was a runner on third. Maybe not. Right. <laughs> you got yeah, the grounder. You, you got the first on an error. Like, <laughs> like no, oh, it's it's it's, yeah. it's not a bad yeah. execution. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's just it does it pales in comparison to the original, and it's like it makes me want something more though like when people do uh, uh like even when it comes to music if you if you're doing a remake of a song give me something you know give me give me your flavor of it yeah you know? like change something up just a tad so i can be like damn i'm i'm glad that they did that you know no. like you know like there are so many bands that are coming out right now that are just doing covers of songs and it's like that's excellent because it's still them yeah no i think i think what you're saying is correct is like I'm not against people coming back to other material and trying to update it. Like, cause we even, mm-hmm. we even had a favorable review of a uh, dead woman shoes, right? Like I thought that was a solid yeah, I, segment. Yeah. Uh, and, the origi- and the the, I actually enjoyed neither uh, meek. Yeah. neither meek. Um, they, they're both great on their own terms, which is good. That's the way you want it to be. Right. Like, like you right. want both them to be uh wonderful, because of what they are not trying to chase each other. Right. I think that's right. You know? Yeah. And even when we talked about the film, the, you know, the film from 83, it's like those, the majority of those were remakes of original storylines. It's like, those were cool. Like, because they did their own flavor of it. Yeah. So, and, and like this tried, but at least I think that like maybe people that were watching this maybe weren't familiar with, because nobody talks about the original shadow play and that bugs me. It bugs me so much because it's like, in terms like, like, um, people talk, yeah, I've seen this Twilight Zone. Like, have you, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be like the, the judgy gatekeeper nerd, but I'm like, come on. Like there, there's some good shit there. And like, this is one of those like really cool episodes that like I've never heard anybody ever talk about. And I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Um, and so, it's very yeah. thought provoking as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, here we are, we've been discussing this for quite a while now. And it's like, yeah. And it, it's, it, it's, it's very thought provoking yeah. for sure. So, all right. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's going to do it for a discussion about shadow play. It's been 90 minutes, about a half hour segment of a remake of a, a 22 minute segment. Um, I apologize. I'm a bull in a shine shop and Terry can testify to that. So, um, it, it, we're, 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 I mean, we're just setting the, you know, 
setting the tone. <laughs> well, I just feel like I feel like I have to gush over this because um, we have three segments to go, and um, not so much. All right, so all right, all right. I'll never any, let go, Jack. Yeah. I'll never let go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, any other uh, thoughts, feelings, whatever for shadow play before we get to the end of here? Like, like, uh, dude, I, I think I've exhausted every feeling I have about this, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Solid segment, but I will say everybody go back and watch the original episode. Both have their merits, but my God, I adore that, that original season two episode. So, all right. Um, before we get uh, to what we're doing next, um, I, we got to read that twist. Twist rating one through five, meaning one we saw it from a mile away, and five meaning mind blowing. Uh, Terry, I'm going to put it to you because you've never seen this before. Where do you, where do you rate that twist? I, I guess, on, uh, like at least for watching this episode proper, I'm going to give it a one because it re- like what? I believe at what? Yeah, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a one because I believe Adam. He's so adamant, adamant um, about adamant. Like, what's going. Yeah, adamant. Um, I just. I, like I believe him. Like I'm, I'm totally on Adam's side here. That I'm like, maybe it is all a dream, or maybe like he's he's really foreseeing everything that's going to happen here. Not, I mean, the the uh, the title does nothing for me whatsoever. That could have went one way or another. But I, for Adam and what's going on for him, like especially from that opening court scene, mm-hmm. I believe him. So it's going to be a one. I really wasn't surprised by any of it. <laughs> Well, okay, great. I'm sorry that you're disappointed. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm not disappointed. <laughs> That's not how this rating works. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're like, I, I, we, we've been I mean, on, like, it was we, an excellent story. I, I think, like, I think that you and I have been like further, further enough along with storytelling that we're going to trust the narrator in terms yeah. of like, yeah. So I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to give this a one right now too, because I saw the original, <laughs> you know, you know, because I, mean? I already knew what was going to happen. So like, because like I knew what was going to happen. So my one versus your one's different. Surprise Does that make sense right now? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I already knew what was going to like the twist didn't surprise me because yes. But at the time when I originally watched this, the, the segment, uh, place and time, it was like, it was a revelation of what could be for storytelling. Cause it's very meta, which is a thing that happens now. It's very like fourth wall breaking, uh, in terms of storytelling and the way that teleplays work. Um, it's phenomenal. It's a wonderful story. Yeah. By all means, uh, everybody should just check it out without any apprehension. Yes. Even, even us telling you about what most of this is. I think you'll still get something out of this. Yes. Like, I, I know some people will listen to this podcast blindly. Be like, yeah, I don't know. Like I have actually a couple of friends that listen to this and they're like, dude, I just, I, I, I want to hear, I, I, I want to hear like. what you have to say about yeah. it. And then I'm going to go revisit it. And yeah. like, please, by all means, visit both of these, yes. like check them both out. You do the contrast and comparison of both of them and see what you like more. And then contact us because I mean we're open, always open to these kinds of conversations. Like I'm not saying one is better than the other in the sense of like how the storytelling is done. I just feel like a little bit more drawn towards the original episode at this point. Fair enough, and I think I think that's valid. So all right, let's go do it for a discussion about Shadow Play. You guys can find us on um, uh, Strange Highways on Facebook. 
we're always po- like posting weird images, um, you know, as we do. Uh, you can email us directly at uh, strangehighwayspodcastgmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. I know that's a, a, that's a big ask. But the big thing is, um, wherever, wherever you listen to us, if you could share us. That's the big deal, right? The more the merrier. We've been, it's been, uh, to quote James Cameron from Aliens, it's been 40 miles of bad road. <laughs> you know, like, um, and also, um, F all those other people out there that do Twilight Zone podcasts and they've not dug into this. Like, you know what? They don't, they, they don't have the same stamina, belief, and appreciation and effort that Terry and I do. Like, screw y'all. Like, we're, we're digging into the dirt. We're digging. We found some great stuff recently, too. And maybe they're, not, they're never going to get into it because it's like, blah, 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 blah. you know, like, I've seen the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Have you seen six episodes? Yeah. Cool. Have you been to the 80s? No. You know, so uh, am I am I a little surly tonight? Absolutely. But, you know, <laughs> I, I would love that people would be like a little bit more on my side of what happened tonight as far as this conversation. And have never seen the original episode because I think that's something very, very interesting to bring to the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, you know, it's like you know, like Paul and I. I mean, we've been talking at length and like kind of waiting to see where we are aligning on these uh, these feelings. But for God's sake, folks, like really pay attention to like all the iterations of Twilight Zone because yeah, like what Paul has said. There has been some rough road, but there has been such amazing storylines, such amazing uh, segments that have been, especially in this version of the Twilight Zone. You know, the 80s has had something to really provoke great conversation. Sometimes. And like, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and see like creators and storytellers mm-hmm. and directors that have done, gone on to do some such amazing things. I mean, William Freakin, we just talked about him a moment ago. Yeah. He was a director of one of these segments in the in past conversations. Like, there are still interesting conversations to come. I'm hoping that you guys are along for the rest of this journey because we're 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 totally set to do it. I mean, like, please join us. Yeah. So, uh, Terry, where can people find us otherwise? We are on Instagram still, folks. Um, so if you want to come over there, check us out. Uh, follow us. Uh, I'm share to your friends and that. Uh, it's it's not quite same like frequency as our uh, you know as our Facebook account because um, uh, you know life happens. <laughs> but yeah, please follow us on there. Um, so we just want to hear some feedback. If you could follow us and share some feedback on there, good, bad, we are willing to accept either. Oh yeah, no, like we will accept uh, criticism. It's fine, you know, it, it, like so. Yeah, I just, you know, like, I, I I understand that, like, maybe our numbers have dipped because we're in the 80s, but, you know, whatever. It is it is what it is. Um, yeah. You know, your mileage may vary. You know, but also, like, those that have been listening, you know, you're in it. You're in it to win it, so we appreciate that. So, all right. So, um, yeah, uh, before we uh, get out of here, let's talk about what we're uh, doing next. And now, Mr. Serling. All right. So next episode is season one, episode 23B, Grace Note. Um, yeah. I'm not going to tell Terry what this is. We'll get there when we get there. Three to go. Three <laughs> yeah, to go. I like that. Uh, no, it's, it's here. It's an okay segment. It's okay. It's just that, um, 
um, I'll just put it this way. Like, uh, like I feel like the last like fourth of the season has been like pretty, pretty solid. Um, we're about to, um, run aground, <laughs> you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be a thing. We'll get there when we get there. Uh, so yeah. Um, but you know, but Terry, like, I just like thank you for always being available. And what I'll say after we get done with this season, and we do our season recap. We're gonna do. We're gonna have a bit of a. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take some time to do other things. However, I'm gonna recommend to the everybody listening. If there is an original series episode, seasons one through three, outside of the Invaders, that you would like us to revisit, I'm down for that. So please yeah. make a suggestion, because uh, Terry was not party to that uh we just talked about shadow play maybe not pick that one <laughs> but yeah, well and night of the yeah. meek we kind of just yeah kind of right well, so. but there's yeah, like so, i mean like there's like 80 other episodes that they, if people want us to revisit something let's just do it I, i'm down like please like it'd be a lot well, of fun and, and like, yeah. i would say i would say that the majority of uh twilight zone fans quote unquote would defer to seasons one through three. That's fair. Um, to yeah. like say their favorites, like, dude, give us those recommendations because like, I would love to revisit. To those be fair, the, like, that's the stronger part of the series. We like, but there's still, there were still shit in season five that we liked and even some stuff yeah. in season four, but I'm saying that like, no, you're absolutely right. So if there's like another episode from the first three seasons that you'd like us to revisit, I'm down. It's been years since I've revisited some of the stuff and I would love to get Terry's opinion. I'd love to get your opinion. Oh, yeah, dude. yeah. Everybody else. Come on. Let's just do it. It'd be a lot of fun. Right. So. Oh yeah. Let's go. Let's yeah. go folks. Come on. Yeah. Like give us those suggestions. And, and if it's not that, because we will uh, in the future discuss other things uh, outside of the twilight zones as our little detours. Oh, um, the new season of Black Mirror is coming. We're going to get in some Black Mirror. Right yeah. It's going to be oh, so yeah, that's good. Right, it's going to be we were just so talking good. About the, oh. Yeah, Paul and I were just at a concert the other day, so it's like, yeah, yeah we're... We yeah, held we're, hands and made eye contact and cried, and we talked about lots Black of, Mirror. Lots of tears, because yeah. they were like, then we're like, oh, but Black Mirror. Black Mirror. We can cry yeah. some more. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that news, the new season's coming soon. I think it's going to line up pretty well with us ending this. I can't wait. We're going to get into some yeah, weird we shit. I also recommend weird shit. We talked about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah it would yeah. be good. Yeah. So cry before we cry. So Terry, it's almost <laughs> been two hours. We've been talking about a 30 minute segment for two hours. Cause I am a hack and a fraud. So, all right. Um, I think we're good. Which podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Let's go do it for this week. Next week. It's going to be grace note. In the meantime, um, like wake up. I don't know. Like, like here, drink a bunch of water before you go to bed. Cause then like you have to wake up and pee. I'll just say that. Make amends with people. Thanks for making me one. Mm hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's all right, honey. I don't really need it. I had a little wine in the kitchen. Oh, shut up, Paul. <laughs>